Welcome to Skills USA's podcast. I'm your host, Craig Moore. Today, I am joined by Jay Clifton, who some of you might remember as a past national officer in 2019-2020, the last of our uh, in-person officers before, uh, well, the end of last year. So Jay's team experienced a uh, interruption in service, we should say, in uh, in in the name, uh, well, in terms of the pandemic. So, um, Jay, welcome to the podcast. It's good to see you again. Hello, 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 Skills USA. How have you been? Good, doing a lot of cupcake orders and just trying to navigate my way around the world. <laughs> so. One of the things that we brought Jay on to talk about was his experience, recent experience as a member um, or what, what would you call it? contestant, I suppose, on on the television show Crime Scene Confit, uh, right? Crime Scene Kitchen. Yeah, so a bunch of us from all over the United States uh, came together for the inaugural season of Crime Scene Kitchen. Uh, my uh, partner was actually uh, with me in culinary school. We competed against each other in Skills USA in the commercial baking competition, and got really close and decided that we were going to try this thing. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Before we jump into that, I kind of wanted to learn a little bit about your background and and where you grew up and and how you got into culinary. So, where did you grow up? I grew up in Gilmer, Texas, a little bitty town in the middle of east texas population of i think three thousand. <laughs> okay. okay so yeah little bitty country boy did you always uh, like cooking or i grew up cooking i my mom always wanted to instill in me a love of cooking and a love of baking um one of my first memories is actually with my birth mom um and it's kind of where my favorite color comes from too um i just remember it was sunset everything was bathed in orange and we were making peanut butter cookies oh wow and i couldn't have been more than two or three years old but absolutely my love of cooking comes from my family um before i went into culinary school i was working as a fraud analyst okay what is that uh, basically going through a lot of personal information and making sure that people are who they say they are for okay. small business loans and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so like a detective. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so you, so you had that natural, the crime scene kitchen. <laughs> you started out with a natural, um, uh, affinity there. Well, between that and my love of escape rooms and love of true crime, well, not doing true crime, love of... <laughs> Researching true crime. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that it kind of came natural for me. <laughs> Next up on Dateline, Jake. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so so you, you grew up cooking. Uh, you grew up liking to cook or being interested in it. Um, how did you get, uh, what made you decide to, to jump from investigating fraud to doing culinary? Um. My entire life, I, I had heard about culinary school and like saw chefs doing things, and I'd always wanted to go to culinary school, but you know, the whole family kind of you know thought it was like a you know a dirty job, like uh-huh. 
and they kept saying, you know, you're really smart. You need to go and be a doctor or, you know, at least be a nurse, that kind of thing. And like originally when I was going to school, I went to school because I was going to be a lawyer mm-hmm. um, and then decided while I'm working as a fraud analyst that sitting at a desk all day is not something I can do. Okay. And so I went with my real passion, which was cooking okay. and then decided I was going to go to culinary school, um, had to make a choice of staying near family and going to culinary school or we were trying to figure out if we were going to move to New Orleans that year and decided against moving and went to culinary school and honestly, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Okay. Yeah, good. And and so I would imagine that in doing something, choosing to do something that you love as a career, that you can also run the risk of maybe making it feel like a job. How do you how do you balance that? So for me, the I kind of separate it into two different categories. Okay. I have the cooking part, which like the culinary part, which was what I went to school for, and that in itself is a job. All right. But the baking part, which is, you know, kind of where my heart lies, it's baking for me is a passion. And I'm able to use that passion to kind of overcome the feeling of a job. Like for me, I don't want to work on a line the rest of my life or anything like that. That would be a job for me. Like baking and teaching would be a career and would be a passion. Okay. And that's kind of how I overcome the, Oh, this is a job. This isn't something I love anymore. It's, I have to have passion to be able to do anything in life. When I do something, I put everything into it. So, you're in culinary school. Is that how you got introduced to SkillsUSA or were you already knowledgeable about that? Yeah, where I grew up, we didn't have SkillsUSA. We had FFA and that was about it. Um, we didn't really have any like CTE programs in any of my surrounding high schools. It wasn't until recently that they've gotten like culinary programs and mechanics programs again and really excited for where that's going for East Texas because they need to grow. and. So it wasn't until I got into culinary school and was kind of voluntold to <laughs> get the skills you would say. Okay. Um, I hate using that term because now looking back, it was, I would have done it anyway, yeah. but it was kind of, Hey, we have this thing. You have a great personality. You have good talent here. Come join <laughs> like our team and, we're going to learn some things and we're going to grow together and then we're going to go compete. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm in. Thankfully I've always had a really competitive spirit and like skills USA was able to bring that out. But then I also have a natural like service spirit and leadership spirit that they were really able to grow in me. And yeah, if it wasn't for my advisor, Sheila Hyde, and a couple of other friends at school, I would not be where I am today. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was voluntold, but kind of glad I was. <laughs> yeah, man. well, that happens, you know, it happens sometimes. And so you went from, I mean, obviously, co- competition is a big draw for people. 
what led you or what drew you to the leadership side of, of running for office and managing, um, helping to manage the national um, officer team? For me, it was my natural affinity for people. I have this loud laugh that kind of draws people in. Sure. Um, and that automatically like kind of gave me charisma. And that was something that my advisor really wanted to push out in me even more is my natural charisma for people and the natural ability to just kind of want to draw people together. For me, it wasn't necessarily, I want to be a leader. It was, I want to be able to find the natural strengths in people and help them to get where they need to go. Mm -hmm. I, my ultimate goal is to become a culinary arts teacher. Okay. And so that ability to kind of draw innate stuff out of people is something that she looked at and I looked at, and we both kind of decided that first off running for like chapter office would be something I needed to do. Okay. And then running for state office was, you know, kind of next up in line. And Originally, I wasn't so sure about running for national office because that seemed like a huge responsibility that I didn't know if, you know, I had, you know, the gusto for. And thankfully, I listened to my advisor and went for it. And when I say that I met literally my family mm. in, the skills, I, in Skills USA national officer team, like, we talk almost every single day, especially my college post-secondary girls. They know more about me than half of my family does. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> so you, you had a, you, you did some cool stuff while you were a national officer. It's uh, f- for those who, who, who maybe don't remember or who aren't uh, keeping, keeping score. Jay was elected in June of 2019 and so you got to come to uh, Washington, not just for training, but then the Washington Leadership Training Institute. And then um, again, you, you were here for uh, SkillsUSA week. And, and both times there were uh, leaders from Capitol Hill involved in, in, in those events. And in fact, you introduced a couple of, sen- a senator and a, a, a congressional rep, right? At WLTI? Uh, at WLTI, uh, yes, I got to introduce uh, Senator Portman, um, and then at Skills USA Week, oh gosh, I did quite a few introductions. <laughs> yeah, um, my background, you know, with speech communications and whatnot, kind of allowed me to be very comfortable speaking and introducing people, and I think that Miss Courtney and Chris kind of just said, hey, we know how much he likes to get on stage and speak <laughs> in front of people. Let's let him do some of this. <laughs> yeah, you were good at it, I think. <laughs> um, it, it, it must have been hard to adapt to the way everything changed in March 2020, though, with the pandemic starting and um, we're, we're really arriving here, I should say. And, and so how did your team uh, deal with that? How did you figure out how best to um, serve while being home? Well, we all came together and decided that even though we weren't going to be able to meet up again, 
that we were still going to show a united force mm-hmm. that everyone else didn't need to see that. Yeah. We were struggling, you know, with, you know, sadness and whatnot, like everyone else was because we were really looking forward to being able to see our family again. Mm-hmm. And, but we couldn't let that show, like we needed to show everyone that, yeah, we're human too. And, you know, we let everyone know that, you know, we were sad that we weren't going to be able to see everyone, but we also had to show inspiration and positivity. And so we had to very quickly learn how to use green screens and things such as that to be able to record from home for uh, NLSC that year. And that was an experience for, Mm -hmm. especially for someone like me that I get my energy from people, from, you know, crowds and just people in general. It was really hard for me to be able to get in front of a green screen and still be authentic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's still something I'm working on today. (laughs) Cause I mean, it's still a big thing in today's world is being able to, you know, speak virtually. Yeah. 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 It's it's such a part of of everything now. And, and for the longest time, you know, we didn't, we weren't super comfortable with it, but I was thinking about how it had it happened even five years ago would have been much more difficult because everyone didn't have the capability to get some of these programs. And of course, some people still don't because of broadband isn't available everywhere, but so that's gotta be a challenge. Um, But Nevertheless, I, I know in our office it would have been it would have been a challenge, a significant challenge, if, even just five years ago, um, because of of the various programs that are available now versus then. So, let's talk about Crime Scene Kitchen. Um, how did you find out about that? Well, that was actually my partner Twilin's idea to bring me along with her. Um, she was uh, reached out to by Fox. And they said, you know, find someone with a personality that, you know, you can work well with in a kitchen that, you know, knows their way around a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And according to her, she was, you know, trying to think of like, you know, who she works best with. And apparently her husband just within like a few seconds was just like, well, Ash J. Okay. <laughs> and it was kind of like a light bulb moment for her. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Like we worked with each other in school. Like we went to some of the same classes and typically we were the ones kind of leading the classes. So we didn't necessarily work with each other, but we worked beside each other. And that was kind of momentous for us because it brought us closer together. And even preparing for the show, we spent so much time together, just like going over recipes and like preparing, you know, ourselves for trying to figure out what these desserts are. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of preparation, a lot. And, but yeah, she was brought in by Fox, brought me along with her and Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was, it was it was very interesting, especially, I mean, certainly wouldn't consider myself any kind of expert, but I thought I knew my way around a kitchen. But then you guys are talking about stuff on this show. I have no idea what you're even talking about. 
and you're using words. I'm like, that, that's a word now. What is that? What does that mean? Like, oh, this is obviously a, I don't know, a, 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 one of those weird cakes, a Napoleon cake or something weird like that. I can't remember the name of all the various things that were, but there were just so many times where I'm like, I have no idea what that even is. <laughs> and uh, so um, the show for, th- for those who, who may have missed it, shame on you, but if you did, um, Crime Scene Kitchen, uh, briefly describe what the premise is. All right, so Crime Scene Kitchen is all about being able to use baking skills and detective skills to create two desserts per episode. Okay. Um, the basic premise is someone has already made a dessert of some sort inside of the crime scene kitchen. And it's up to the detectives to go in, the dessert detectives to go in and figure out the clues of what was made, what, you know, kind of fillings, toppings, um, what, you know, it was it a cake, was it a pie, was it eclairs? And then kind of, use those clues to figure out how was it decorated. Mm-hmm. Everything was looked at by the judges, our actual ability to check the desserts to you know, make sure that they were what they're supposed to be, but also the ability to bake the desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of pressure um, with time because we only had typically about two and a half minutes inside of the actual crime scene kitchen to go over everything. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't any magic of television involved with that. It was literally, we had two minutes to research inside of the kitchen and then two hours to bake things or, you know, the time varies, but sure, it was very much no magic of television involved kind of thing. We had exactly what, you know, the judges set up for us to do. And, and the show is hosted by Joel McHale, who is yep. a national treasure. <laughs> and um, who are the judges? Tell me who the judges are. Uh, Yolanda Gamp, um, multi-million follow, uh, following base on uh, YouTube. Um, she's the Beyonce of cakes. Okay. Uh, honestly, if you know anything about cake decorating, you have probably watched one of her videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chef Curtis Stone. Um, and he owns multiple restaurants that you know have michelin stars and honestly he's one of my heroes i've always looked up to chef curtis stone a lot um being able to meet both of them in person was mind-blowing i bet and then obviously we had you know uh guest judges come in Um, did did joel get to judge too or was he just strictly hosted (laughs) Coming up with snarky comments. <laughs> he didn't really get to judge, but he was kind of the unsung hero of the panel, if you will. Okay. Because he didn't really know anything about desserts. Right. But he could kind of give, you know, an unbiased opinion of things like, oh, you know, I love the texture of this. I love the flavor of this. Oh, no, that looks horrible but I bet it still tastes good. (laughs) Like, yeah, he was definitely there for the snide comments, but he also was extremely like sweet and caring to all of us. Like it was a side of him that we really didn't get to see like on the show when it aired, but he was 
he kind of helped keep all of us going. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all, we all expect the funny guy. So it's, I, you know, he did not disappoint in that regard. And I, I will tell you from, from my perspective as someone who a doesn't watch cooking shows <laughs> and B um, doesn't watch reality TV either. Um, I, I, I found it fascinating like from episode one. And I admit I was drawn in because I knew someone on the show, but it, uh, I also admit that I kept watching after you were gone. So <laughs> sorry, sorry to say, but I couldn't turn on, turn it off. It was really that good to me. So <laughs> even though it was torture watching those, the food, I mean, oh. some of those things looked so amazing. I can only imagine what it smelled like in there. I was just really upset that we didn't get to try each other's food. Oh because, yeah. Oh, especially in episode one, that soccer tour just, Oh, yeah. When Luis and Natalie brought that on, I was just like, I want that. I <laughs> that. <laughs> the one that got me, and I cannot remember who who did it, but it was, well, everybody made the cinnamon rolls, I think. Mm-hmm. But there were there were there were two guys who were a team African American guys, and their cinnamon rolls looked, they practically jumped out of the television. They just looked amazing. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, oh, I never really got to meet them, which is really sad. Yeah. Because um, they had to split up into, you know, two groups until they combined, you know. Right, right. But, like, watching the show, oh, man, those cinnamon rolls. I am a cinnamon rollaholic, so <laughs> that made it even worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did, um, I did uh, someone I work with, I helped set up <laughs> an iPad for their granddaughter for Christmas. And she said, well, let me pay you. And I said, I don't need to be paid. And she said, um, well, come on, you got to, you got to let me give you something. And I said, why don't you make me cinnamon rolls? Cause she makes really good cinnamon rolls. And, uh, <laughs> she left them on my porch on my birthday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a perfect birthday gift, but anyway, yeah, that was, it was, it was really, it was a really compelling premise and it was really fun. And, um, I already was someone who found Joel McHale funny, so it wouldn't have taken much to convince me to watch him. So, um, so, so what's next for you then? Um, are you interested in more television or is it something that, I mean, I suppose it's not as easy as that. I suppose everybody, oh yeah, sure. I'd like to be on TV, but <laughs> I don't know if they're going to, if they, if there's a, you know, gives you more of an in somehow. Um, I definitely don't think it gives me any more of an in. Um, but I have, you know, some goals. Um, I do eventually want to, you know, do more television. I'm. A lot of people say they don't like reality television, yeah. whereas me, that's basically all that plays on my TV. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know. I love watching, you know, like Survivor or American Idol, you know, stuff like that. Um, like. Yeah, I would absolutely love to come back. Um, I mean, if they want me back for season two, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> or, or or the Masked Singer, you know, you could be on there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny you say that because I made that joke so many times because I grew up like my main competition was singing. I've always sung my entire life, like since birth almost. And... Mm-hmm. Like, I kept making the joke, oh, yeah, you know, now that I've been on Fox, like, you can bring me um, back on for Mass Singer or something. <laughs> and 
I don't think they took me seriously. <laughs> it's probably more the audition process than that. But also, don't you have to be like, well, I guess now you are, uh, uh, you know, you're, you were on TV, so you could qualify as, as somebody who could wear the mask. <laughs> Come on, guys at Fox. Keep that in mind. We want more Jay on television and his colorful shirts. <laughs> oh yeah that shirt we wore that shirt more times than i can count <laughs> so i was you, ready to burn it by the time we were done <laughs> did did you um did you have to do multiple takes of things or was it really just pretty much what you're seeing is is what happened um so when we were cooking, no, there was not multiple takes of anything. Okay. When we were doing interviews or yeah. heaven forbid, when we're trying to walk onto stage, <laughs> mm -hmm. we had to do multiple takes. Yeah. Um, very long hours doing a lot of standing. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. And, and but as, as, a, as a chef, that's probably something you're somewhat used to, right? Standing. Standing, not necessarily, because mm. usually in the kitchen, you don't have time to just stand. There's a lot of running everywhere. Oh, I get it. Okay. So I see the difference. Oh, sure. Running yeah. and walking is completely different than like standing in like one spot for a really long time. Because, you know, with cameras, you know, they have to take, you know, wide shots, close up shots. It, it's a job. Like it really is a job like you know being up there you know getting recorded and whatnot you wouldn't think that you know any of us would have viewed that as employment but after the first day of shooting we were all like okay we have a newfound respect for anyone that has to do this <laughs> yeah yeah i imagine you would so what was your big takeaway as far as did 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 what did you learn uh, having done this and and what did you learn about yourself or um, or even the process or even about cooking that you might have uh, been able to take away from that? Um, I guess the big thing I learned for myself was I need to stand up for myself more. Okay. That was kind of the really only issue that like Twee and I had working together was I kind of just let her take the rein on most things and when i should have you know kind of put my foot down on a few things mm -hmm. um there was a couple of times when we disagreed on you know what the dessert was or you know what the buttercream was for the cake etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know there was times when she was right and i was wrong and there was also times when i was right and she was wrong and I learned I really have to stand up for myself more. Like I can't, even though I feel like someone might have more knowledge, if I feel like I'm right, mm -hmm. I need to let that be known. Um, not necessarily that I need to argue more, but I need to let my opinion be shown. Yeah. That at the end caused me to be a stronger person. I'm absolutely stronger in the kitchen now because if I feel like something is wrong, I make note of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there have been times when I was wrong about that. 
Sure. And, you know, my boss was like, okay, so in the future, <laughs> you know, we're not going to do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's all a learning process. <laughs> I think everyone would agree that it's better to let your thoughts be known and, you know, eventually, you know, come out and they might be wrong than to keep it all in. Exactly. I think it's finding that balance. You know, you, it's easy to be like someone who steamrolls people or, or to just let other people steamroll you. And you've got to find when it's time to speak up and when it isn't. And that's the hard part, I suppose. I do know that like you had said, you, you, you stand up and then you turn out to be wrong. Um, I, I must've sent 10 emails about something once because I misread one word in the original email. And I was convinced that, no, this isn't happening the way you say it is. Then I realized about 10 emails in and I'm like, oh, oh, uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was me. It was, it was whatever. I can't remember what it was, but it, it is, it is, um, it's a balancing act. Right. And um, so what's, what are you doing now? uh, And uh, what's up next? Um, right now I am substitute teaching. Um, I have recently moved back to East Texas for a little while, um, until January and then moving on to Houston. Um, I've put in quite a few applications for an actual teaching job, like my, you know, first real big boy job. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for that. Um, so hopefully in January and if not in January, then this next fall, I'll be, you know, teaching actual classes. Oh, and, and you're subbing now. So, so that's going okay. You, you, you're, you're oh, liking doing it and, and you feel, it feels natural. Oh yeah. I, I've always been a natural teacher, a natural trainer. Um, Skills USA actually helped bring a lot of that out in me. I mean, obviously we had hours and hours and hours and hours of training to learn how to train mm-hmm. and that I've been able to bring that into teaching. Um, a lot of the tips and tricks and hints and whatnot that we learned, you know, as a national officer come into play every single day. That's and I'm very thankful for that. I would not be half the teacher that I am today if it wasn't for that. Well, Jay, I want to thank you for taking the time today to come on on the podcast and to share your experience. And I, I believe Crime Scene Kitchen is on Hulu, is it not? And so if any of those of you who missed it and want to see Jay and his, his effort um, on that show and, and his various shirts, uh, you can check it out on Hulu, Crime Scene Kitchen. It's definitely worth a watch. You'll, you'll tear right through it. It's, it's hard to turn off. Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. You've been listening to SkillsUSA's podcast. Our guest today, Jay Clifton. See you next time. Yeah.